Hello, hello, everyone. Hey, Crystal. It's Heidi. Hey, Heidi. And I know we have uh, Deborah on the line, but we'll get into introducing her in a moment. Welcome to Making of Her Story. Heidi. Yes, welcome, everybody. Yeah. How's it going with you? Oh, wow. Well, I've, I've had some time to take a little bit of a breath. Um, I've been I'm back in the country, which is great, but... Uh, you know, as soon as I get back, I start thinking about, you know, how I go back to, I, it's like a sickness. It's a, uh, but I love, I love my peeps in, in Guyana. So, yeah. yeah. You know, you keep on posting these amazing, incredible photos of the the team that you work with there and even of like the, the events that you partake in. And I hope that I have the opportunity to visit someday. It seems like a really great place. So. Well, I think you would be such a good fit. I, I need to figure out how to get you down there because I, you know, uh, you know, we have a big focus right now at the company on wellness and life balance. And, and uh, I know it's a bit of the pot calling the kettle black because it's not something <laughs> I do particularly well, but I encourage my team to have more balance and focus on wellness and nutrition and health and stress management. And so... Somehow we got to figure out how to get you down there and, and do a session with, with my executive team. I'd love it. I would love it. So yeah. You would be phenomenal. They would love you. Oh my God. I'm sure I would love them too. So, cause I love everybody. So speaking of. <laughs> speaking of love. Um, so today we have one, you know, I just, again, I do gush about the people that we are fortunate enough to get on this podcast. Um, I feel so incredibly blessed and grateful that um, we have these wonderful women that want to share their stories with us. And so Deborah Poneman is on the line today. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with the two of you fabulous women. You are such a firecracker. So I was lucky enough to be invited to a um, an Enterprise Bank Women um, in Business event. And so my, mind you now, Deborah, I've been invited for the last couple of years and I've not been able to attend. And so I've heard how fantastic these things are. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll go, right? And so it's in Derry, which is like across the, the, it feels like it's across the country because it's like one road to get there and it's like a super pain. But I was like, I'm going to go. I never get to go. I have a free morning. Um, and then I was like, great, there's a motivational speaker. It's going to be awesome. I'm sure I've heard talks like this a million times before. So, and I shared this with Deborah already, Heidi. So this is nothing new. So <laughs> I was like, eh, we'll see what happens. Um, but I have to tell you, I couldn't have been more more inspired leaving that talk that morning. I mean, the breakfast was mediocre, the food. I'm, I'm a foodie, it was fine. But Deborah made it every minute worth it. Like it was the, clearly the talent that was in the room was also incredible. I was sitting next to like the head of um, nursing for Parkland Hospital in London. Like I was in the room with some pretty talented people. But Deborah, I mean, and I know we'll get into your story, but you really, you know, sharing how, um, you know, how you started your career, super successful, took a pause for your children. Then speaking about how incredibly proud of your children you were, like just the whole thing was absolutely inspiring. Um, it was interactive. You had us involved. You had us do activities. So it moved along. And honestly, I was kind of sad when it was over. Um, 
So when the, when the breakfast was over, I was like, I got to reach out to this woman. I was like, you know, I don't really know if I need a mentor or a coach or whatever in this life, but I need to reach out for with, to her to see if she does that thing or at least to like stay in touch with her because I think she's phenomenal. And so I did. You were really busy, but then we finally did connect again. So, and you remembered who I was because I have a great memory. So- <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. We got to pause right here. You were the most unforgettable person in the audience. And I just have to brag on you for a second. And that is what I had um, people do is share with the people at their table a moment. I think it was a moment in their life that was a transformational moment. And then I asked people if they wanted to share not their moment, but the moment of somebody else at the table. And people were shy and not very many people. I don't know how many people were in the room, but um, very few people raised their hands. And you stood up and remembered every single person's story at your entire table. You said, and Sharon said this, and Joanne shared that. And I'm like, who is this woman? This woman has the most phenomenal presence, the most phenomenal personality, and the most phenomenal memory of anybody. (laughs) And I've been speaking on stages for decades, girl, and you blew me away. So back at you. I just have a genuine interest in people. And so it's sort of easy for me to do that. But thank you. I'm shy getting the compliment, but thank you. That's what you're supposed to say. (laughs) So why don't we, um, that was awesome. I feel left out. I wish you were there. That but so I know. Maybe there's an opportunity for Deborah to do something with, you know, with I don't know. I just feel like there's a collaboration happening or something or will happen. So whatever. We'll we'll just follow what the universe gives us. So we're gonna figure it out. I mean, I, I feel like it's crazy that the universe put Guyana in your in your lap today. And you know what, Heidi, I also have to add, I hope we get to the topic in a minute, but I also have to add that. I just got back four days ago from Haiti, where I go every year to do um, work. We, the, an organization that I belong to, we built a school, we built a children's center, we teach literacy, we teach vocational training, we teach um, stress release programs, relief programs. We have, we just took on another school. So girl, I'm with you on that because there is nothing in the world more fulfilling than contributing to people's lives. And even though sometimes, as you know, it can be a little bit hard to go to those places. I I actually landed in, after leaving Haiti, landed in the airport in Miami and stepped off the plane and looked around at Gucci and Tommy Bahama and and burst into tears. I just sobbed because the contrast was so great that my heart almost couldn't handle it. But you know, in in the uh, Talmud, it says you change one life and you change the world. So I just have to go back to, okay, I changed some lives. I changed some lives. So. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that. And I'd I'd love to chat with you about how to maybe bring that into Guyana because they have such a, such a need and, but, um, but anyway, to your point, maybe we should try to get to the to the topic. So I would love to. Well, first of all, what, how would you select Haiti? There's, but I'm sure we could probably even back up further, right? But um, maybe yes. that's a good place to start. I don't know. Well, I, I actually didn't select it. A, a friend of mine started a nonprofit called 
aid still required and they they go into countries that after when there's a natural disaster mm. after the cameras stop rolling and some of the larger uh, nonprofits leave um, that's when the real work begins rebuilding the, the countries and that's when we that's when we enter the country that's why the, the organization is called aid still required we also do um, orphan uh, rescue programs because orphanages there are so awful and sometimes turn into hotbeds of human trafficking so after natural disasters when people lose their parents um, that's when um, it's not just finding them an orphanage but it's really um, helping uh, after like I say the cameras stopped rolling so I didn't choose it I just was invited to uh, be on the board of this particular nonprofit and dove right in that's amazing that's amazing so I loved what we were talking about before we jumped on the call um, because I do think that when people you know give thought to their pivotal moments right that they think that there has to be some major trauma or, uh, you know, something that happened that, you know, drove you or an individual into a certain direction. So why don't you share with our listeners what you said? Because I actually love that. <laughs> yes. Well, first of all, um, since I'm supposed to introduce myself, I'll just give you the Cliff's Notes version of actually my journey. So um, in the... Um, the decade of the 70s, don't go calculating how old I am, but the decades, <laughs> decade of the 70s, I actually was a meditation teacher. Um, I don't know if you heard of transcendental meditation, but I was yes, a meditation yes. teacher back in the 70s. And at the end of the 70s, um, I love teaching meditation, but um, woman does not live by mantra alone. And I realized I had to make some money. So I left um, that profession thinking that I was going to make some money and then go back to it. But uh, you know the expression, we make plans and God laughs. Well, God had a gigantic laugh thinking that I was going to go back and teach meditation again because I started um, selling investments thinking I could make some money but I was a dismal failure but I was in Los Angeles and I was invited to a seminar on um, money and I thought it would be help me be better at selling my investments but it actually turned out that it was um, kind of energetic principles of making money like the way the the gentleman who was leading the lecture said the way to make money isn't necessarily making the bet best investments, but it's in investing in people, lifting people up, mentoring people, helping people, and also that he helped us create attitudes that created prosperity. Like, don't go around saying, oh, I'll never get out of debt. I'll never own a house. Um, my financial situation is so awful. I'll never be rich. No, because we're like tuning forks and, and our dominant thought we vibrate with our dominant thought and our dominant word and even in the bible it says thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be added unto you so you want to no matter what your financial situation is talk about a vision of what it will be like well maybe it's not so great right now but i see a vision where i am going to be wealthy and i'm going to be able to contribute and it raises your vibration so like a tuning fork you 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 um, attract higher vibration, prosperity, energy into your life that turns into actual um, 
better finances. Well, anyway, what this gentleman said just resonated with every cell in my body. And I realized that the real reason why I went to LA was not to sell investments, but to start teaching this knowledge. And that was in 1981. And I started my company, Yes to Success. And um, within three years, my seminars were being taught in uh, seven countries on four continents, which might not be impressive now, but this was decades before the internet. This was snail mail, you know, and right. So, and uh, it just grew from there. So that is uh, the story of how I started my yes to success company and how it grew. And I have so many other details I can tell you about it, but I do want to share a pivotal moment in my life. And it was, um, as I said before we started recording, that I actually was have been blessed my entire life with a lot of joy. I was blessed with beautiful, beautiful parents who were very supportive and always told me how wonderful I was. And, and my husband, my former husband, but still one of my best friends, um, he said I should write a book entitled how I survived an awesome childhood and still became a transformational leader. Because, <laughs> I love that. Because usually it's like, you know, the most transformational leaders have their story of their horrible childhood, but, you know, they rose above it. And I actually used to think, well, I, I don't have a story like that. But I do have a story that I'd love to share with you. And it's something that um, happened to me when I was uh, in the eighth grade. So I must have been, what, 12, 13, like that. And uh, I think it, it's very significant in, um, it, and laid a basis for the rest of my life. And when I was in junior high, I was one of the very cool girls. Okay, I wasn't a mean girl, but I was a very cool girl. And I was part of a club. It was called the cleft. I was our, our, our symbol was like the, the trouble cleft. Go figure. I don't know how that happened. But, um, and it was every girl in the eighth grade's greatest dream to be part of this club. And we used to hang out on a picnic table at recess. And I remember this one day, uh, some of the other girls in the cleft brought over this girl. Her name was Lori and said to Lori, um, we were calling you over to our table because we want to invite you to be one of the Cleftos. And I remember her face lighting up as if somebody just gave her the greatest gift in the entire universe, in her little eighth grade world. And then these two girls said to her, oh, come on, we're just kidding. We would never let you be a Clefto. Oh, God. And I remember, like it was yesterday, as they say, that not only did her joy just completely contract, but I had a spiritual, I guess you would call it a spiritual awakening, because I had a vision with my inner eye. It was a spiritual experience where I saw that her pain radiated out and touched every corner of the universe. I saw that when we cause one person pain, that we are causing pain to the entire creation. And the greatest pain was projected back to those two girls who caused it. Mm 
I actually saw with my own inner vision. I, it's hard to explain it in words because it was so beyond something that can be explained in words that it actually went back into them and it shriveled like their subtle bodies. It, ca it caused this darkness to enter their body for having caused this girl that pain. And at that moment, I went, I will never again knowingly cause anybody pain for the rest of my life because I saw the consequences of it. And you know what? I haven't been perfect, but I've been pretty darn good at it. And I think that that has been the key to my joy and my happiness and my success in my life. So how did you react at the moment? Did you leave the group? Did you try to, did you say something? How did, how did you react in that, in that moment? I have to tell you, Heidi, I don't remember because that experience that was not in the third dimensional reality was so overshadowing as a matter of fact i never spoke about it until about um, five years later when i was 18 or 19 i finally told some because it was like life shatter i mean it was it just changed and i didn't think anybody would believe me you know oh i saw this radiation out to the entire world i saw the world kind of like a hologram and this girl whose name was Lori, in the center of the hologram and the pain rating radiating out into it's like a matrix you know and and, um, but I have to say that another thing, and I'm glad that you asked that question, I think another thing that really brings people happiness is interrupting injustice. Yes. It's hard because anything where we move outside our comfort zone will always bring us greater happiness. It might bring you pain in the moment because you're contradicting what other people are saying. You're being an outlier. You're at a meeting and maybe your boss takes credit for somebody else's idea. But if you raise your hand and say, well, actually I heard um, Catherine bring up that idea. Whoa! But whenever you move outside your comfort zone, then your comfort zone gets that much bigger. And interrupting injustice, speaking truth to power, is one of the greatest ways to bring you a happy life. And um, so I don't know what I did at the moment, but I've made it a, a, a um, practice in my own life to interrupt injustice, even though it's still scary to this day. And that was, what, 50 years ago. Wow. That's amazing. That was probably a, a pivotal moment for her as well. We, we talk about that, right? That other people's pivotal moments are, you know, it's sort of this domino um, whisper down the lane kind of, kind of situation, right? I wonder, wonder, I don't know. It'd be interesting to know what decision she made at that moment as well, but uh, that's right. awesome. Right. It was pretty and it, it changed your whole, you know, all the decisions that you make in terms of the, the course of the way you wanted to, to run your life and, and, you know, in the decisions that you make. Yes. And also is um, Crystal knows because she did hear me speak at the Enterprise Bank. By the way, Enterprise Bank, what a great group of people. If I lived in New England, man, I would bank with that bank because these are people who really care about their customers, really care about their clients. It, it was just a beautiful, beautiful organization. And, and um, 
you know, I, I, I get nothing out of giving them a plug, but I was so blown away by um, the, the edicts that they live by in this uh, organization and in, in Enterprise Bank. But um, I'll tell you another practice that has uh, helped me uh, write a story that really has been uh, filled with joy. And, the, and that doesn't mean that I haven't had challenges in my life. Come on. I mean, we, li we live on this planet. We have challenges. But um, one of the other practices, and we've heard it say so many times that we should have gratitude. And I have to say that people know that, but I don't know very many people who actually consciously practice gratitude at every moment because it's easy to have gratitude when things are going well. You know, thank you, God, to the God of your understanding. Thank you, God, that I got that job. Thank you, God, that I got that parking place. But when we can expand our practice to give thanks to the energy or the God of our understanding, when things don't go well, that's another way that your life will be filled with joy. Because the truth is that you might not get the job or you might not get the invitation or something, you know, that seems to be unpleasant or even horrible might happen in your life. But if you can give gratitude at that moment, because you have no idea what that disappointment the glory, the, the blessing that it's going to bring you three, four, five, six steps down the road. And um, because we live in a benevolent universe, and if we just keep, if that's our mantra, we live in a benevolent universe, we live in a benevolent universe, and the universe has our back, we would say thank you for everything that happens. And when you say thank you at the moment, even if it seems horrible, then the grace in that experience will reveal itself to you much more quickly. And um, I'll give you an example. Um, a dear friend of mine, her name is Sherry Salata. She is the, uh, she was the co-president of Oprah Winfrey Network and the president of um, Oprah's Harpo Productions. And she tells a story that um, decades ago, she lived in Chicago and she applied for a dream job and she had heard through the grapevine that she got it and she was so excited and she had a big celebration and all of her friends, it was some bar, at some bar in Chicago and they all congratulated. She hadn't gotten the call yet, but it was just some dream job that she had applied to and um, then the next day the call didn't come and the next day the call didn't come and the next day the call didn't come and it turned out even though they celebrated she didn't get the job and she said she went into this really really dark place because she just was so positive but then she realized that she had to make some money so she applied for a job at this new company um, with this African-American woman who had just moved to Chicago, whose name was Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. <laughs> what a great story. Oh, my right? God. So yeah. she applied for that job, and she got that job. And um, within a few years, she became the co-president of um, Oprah Winfrey Network. And, and uh, if you saw Oprah's last episode, which was a big celebration at the United yeah. Center in Chicago, and she brought Sherry up on the stage, and and um, so anyway, if so you how do you, I do have a question though, listening to this, and that's, that's a phenomenal story as well, but what, how do you, 
it because that is so hard to see in the moment right like when you're going through an incredible disappointment or something that is just devastating right to your life it's hard in the moment to see that gift how do you coach people right to go through that because to your point even with your friend right you go into this dark place and and it can be very difficult to crawl out of of that dark place and turn that negative moment into something positive yes absolutely and you don't see the gift in the moment. All you see is the um, disappointment and the darkness and the horror. The only thing that we have to keep reminding ourselves is that we live in a benevolent universe and that the creator doesn't make mistakes. And the creator isn't, I mean, you have to have some spiritual belief that there is a higher power and that, um, that this higher power, whether you call it, you know, Christ or Krishna or Muhammad or nature or spirit or whatever you, you want to call that energy. It's a benevolent energy. So, um, and also, so that's why I say, if at the moment that something happens, you have the presence of mind to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, then the gift will reveal itself because you're creating an opening as opposed to, why me? How could this happen? This is so horrible. You know, I'm being punished. That's how you feel, and you feel the contraction. We've all been there where we can hardly breathe. We can't eat. We can't think. We, all we can do is if we could still at that same moment say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I trust that this is bringing me something greater than the greater grace will reveal itself more quickly. And that's all I can say. And um, be kind to yourself. And, um, you know, and you could still, you still might want to pound the pillow and say, how can this be happening to me? And, um, you know, let it out and cry and rage and scream and say thank you. Yeah, I, get, I, just, I just feel like there are so many incidences that it would be so difficult to do that. Um, not even just in the moment, but even to be, to find that place of forgiveness, you know, with, with people, you know, walking into schools and shooting elementary children and um, just the insanity that is our world today. Um, yeah. I, I can't even imagine, you know, putting myself in a place of gratitude at that moment or, you know, if, or people that have cancer or children with terrible illnesses or, you know, but I, I get it intellectually, but I, I sometimes I, I just, I, I struggle with that, right? Of, of how you move and how you would move through something. And like you that. might, you might, and I would say most people don't get it intellectually and you might never, but how many people do you know, and I'll ask you this, who say that their cancer was their greatest gift? No, I mean, I said I do get it intellectually, yeah. and yeah, I know I, I do, and I know, I do know people that have said that, right, that they survived, and, um, and you know, that, that there is a gift at the end of the, 
right of the journey right but but then there are certain events that i just i don't know how you ever find forgiveness i don't that's just well one of the things that i usually share when we have more than a half hour is i i read this um i read a passage from um this book um that and now it's a that's so funny the name of it is escaping me but it's um uh, it's a book by a woman named Elaine Pravala. It's P-R-E-V-A-L-A-N-T. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but um, she was a woman, a black woman who lived um, during apartheid. And she tells a story about how um, they have this committee called the Truth and Reconciliation Committee where people who lost loved ones um, during apartheid, they can ask for what they want the punishment to be for the people who perpetrated these horrible, unspeakable acts. And she, in this book, it talks about how both her husband and her only son were killed by these um, two uh, white people during apartheid. And when she was at the hearing of the Truth and Reconciliation Committee, they asked her what she felt that the punishment should be for these two men who had killed her husband and her only son. And she said, two things. One, I want them to know that I forgive them. And the other is I want to be able to come and visit them and to pour the love that I gave to my husband and son, since they're not here anymore. I want to pour that love onto them. Mm. So it can happen and it's not easy. I'm not saying, but nobody promised us that life was going to be handed for us to us on a silver platter. Yeah, you know another um Deborah, I'm not sure if you've read it, but a man's search for meaning. Yes, absolutely. It's another Victor Frankel. Yeah, Victor Frankel. It's an absolutely amazing book about how um showing compassion for those that hurt others. Yes. And and what Viktor Frankl says is that even in the most hellacious circumstances, like a concentration camp, you the only thing you have left is to change your attitude of mind. And that's really the only thing that we have control over, not so much outside circumstances, but we always have control over our own attitudes. And um, I really feel that that's why we're here on this planet to be able to learn forgiveness, to be able to look for the good, to be able to look for the silver lining. And, um, you know, my own children have to point that out to me when I go off on some rant about something that's going on in our country right now. And they say, mommy, silver lining. So then our practice is I have to say something good about the person that I'm ragging on. So in and I find something because there's something good about everyone. And then you switch your energy. And when, because when you're going down the other road, it's just bringing you deeper down into the rabbit hole of negativity. But if you switch it up and you look for the good in everyone and everything, not only are you uplifting your own vibration, but we all contribute to the vibration of the world. So if we could look for the good, then we uplift the whole vibration of the world and um, we contribute to a world that works. Imagine the power of that if everybody did that. I, I need to, I need to try that. I, I think that it's such a, uh, 
interesting concept, right? Um, of how to how to quickly pivot from being in this rabbit hole or this dark place, right? Um, even just, you know, and it's something that you can practice just every day, like even just at work or if you're upset with somebody or something happens in the moment, right? Let's just like think about making that shift quickly, yeah. right? Um, wow. That, I, it, and you can control that, right? You can control that shift. But I do believe the world is made up of vibration and energy. And if everyone was sort of pivoting to that positive place, think, imagine the impact it could, it could have. Yeah, I mean, Heidi, that's a lot of what, you know, I teach too. And I think if you hear me speak now at any events, I give my introduction with everything that has happened to me. And I'm not of the um, same, same growing, you know, upbringing of if, you know, with a great upbringing, I would be able to write a story of being, becoming a motivational speaker. I do have those things that have happened. Um, but I'll now introduce myself as that person. So I share all of my experiences, but then I end it with, I am so grateful for those experiences that have happened to me because it yeah. has allowed me to connect with such a larger audience, right? And so I view them as gifts now. And it's taking me, you know, nearly 40 years to get there, right? <laughs> but I think, you know, you know, now it's obviously, it's very much easier to say than do, right? But I mean, I even like literally on my phone keep a screensaver that says, you know, um, I choose to believe in sudden miracles and um, I'm grateful for the unexpected blessings because that's how I choose to view things that happen now. And it, it, does, it makes it life a, lot, a hell of a lot easier to live when you have a positive mindset like that. Yes, and you know what, Crystal? There are also many, many techniques that when you go into a place where it's hard to see the good or it's hard to see the good in somebody, um, there's there's so much richness um, that's available to us right now. One of the techniques that I love, it's an ancient um, Hawaiian practice. I don't know if you've, if you've ever heard of it, called the Ho'oponopono. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, please share. Oh. Well, it's an ancient kahuna practice, and it was the the um, great chiefs and leaders in, in ancient um, Hawaii. Um, what they believed is that in order for any physical illness to be cured, um, you have to, that it was actually based in non-forgiveness. So the Ho'oponopono is four sentences and you could look it up on the internet but the four sentences are i'm sorry please forgive me thank you i love you now basically if somebody does something horrible to you or you see somebody um committing an injustice you you can direct it towards them i'm sorry please forgive me thank you i love you i'm sorry please forgive me thank you i love you and you're like well wait a second deborah you didn't do anything, you know, why are you saying, please forgive me? But what they believe is that any circumstance that enters your life, there is a something about you that drew that circumstance into your life. So you are actually saying the Ho'oponopono to yourself. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you 
to yourself for drawing that circumstance into your life. I'll just give you a little bit more of an explanation. There is a um, Hawaiian doctor, his name was Dr. Hugh Lin, and he worked at a um, maximum security prison for the criminally insane in Hawaii. And what, um, and there was like no hope for these people. And what he decided is that he was going to try this ancient practice instead of trying to rehabilitate these men. What he did was he took out each one of their files on each one of these men. And for like 10 minutes, he would say the Ho'oponopono holding each person's file. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And within a few months, every single man in that unit was moved to a minimum security unit and the shackles were taken off and they were allowed to, um, you know, be free. And, and some of them even went on to um, be free from the prison. And um, so he made the Ho'oponopono a very popular practice in kind of the new age world. But um, you could look it up. That's a very short description. But I could give you so many examples of dear friends of mine who have used that when there is something between them and somebody else. And without even saying anything to that other person, just saying the Ho'oponopono to themselves, while they held that person in their heart, that person came to them and said, I don't know why we're fighting. I don't know why we haven't spoken to each other for years. I've just been feeling so much love for you. And the relationship was healed. Wow, I could, I could sit and listen to you all day, but unfortunately we're at our end of our time. But um, so I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you, I love you. <laughs> but we have to wrap. <laughs> I love that though, I do love that. And I feel like- I do. I was just talking about how, as I changed professions and sort of started doing this work, Deborah, um, that I lost my best friend in the process. Not, not, not. She didn't pass away, but we're not no longer friends. And it makes me want to go ahead and and do this to see if perhaps we can, you know, bring that back. Yes. And 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 let me know what happens. I will. I will. Thank you. For for sure. So Deborah, if um, so you you're obviously do a, a lot of speaking and. If someone were interested, I mean, is there, do you have a website or some way I, that people can get a hold of you? Yes, I do. My website is um, yes2success.com, which is the name of my company, Y-E-S-T-O-S-U-C-C-E-S-S, yes2success.com. And I have a free ebook up there that they, it's a, um, the five steps to creating a life of um, true and lasting success. And it's free. And so they could go to my website, yes to success.com and and it's all there. That's that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And Crystal, if if, if people wanna, you know, we're always we're looking for yeah. women, incredible all these incredible women out there, if they wanna, you know, share their stories, they should reach out to us, right? Absolutely. Um, we're of her at of her story on Twitter. We are making of her story on Facebook and Instagram. Um, direct message us on either of those platforms, and we'll be happy to chat. So um, this show is definitely diverse, and we're open to um, hearing stories from anywhere, from anyone around the world. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much, Deborah, for being on today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Deborah. Bye bye. Bye.